Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Tennis Gambling Podcast and Sports Gambling Podcast now are presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit WYNNBet.com and start winning today. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here for Thursday, August 11th. I'm your host, Scott Reichel, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Sam Jacob. And together, we're going to do a bit of a midweek breakdown of the ATP Montreal tournament. I know usually we do one in the early rounds, then we'll do one for about the semis or the finals. However, since this is such an important tournament, we decided to throw in an extra episode for all of you. But I want to talk to my co-host first. Sam, how's it going with you? How's your betting week been so far for the tournament? I'm doing just fine here. You know, I had a, we all had a devastating loss with some evidence of losing to Kyrgyz. Sometimes the bad guys beat the good guys uh, in the long run. We won't see so much of that. We all know the story. We all watch the movies. But, uh, yeah, it's a real shame. Kyrgyz was able to win three sets, took took our dogs down for Medvedev to win the quarter, but... That was your uh, dog. My dog was uh, Martinez, uh, who... Yeah, Martinez ended up not getting there. He lost in three to Monfi. It was even more annoying because he was serving for the set in the first set, and then he choked it away, lost in a breaker, won the second set, lost the third. So I lost the dog. I did win the lock, though, and you did too. Right, yeah, I picked the Demon Hour to beat Shapovalov, even though Shapovalov was in his hometown. He didn't. He looked pretty. He looked decent. The crowd was definitely getting behind him. He looked a lot better than what he, how he was looking prior to this tournament. So uh, I'm gonna keep an eye on Shapovalov to see if he improves. But yeah, Demon Hour just played very, very well. Was hitting balls back into play, even those big shots by Shapo, and uh, we were able to get the win there. Yeah, Nia Schwartzman uh, wasn't easy at all. Uh, he was actually getting his ass kicked. He was he lost the first set 6-1, came back, won the second set. Then he was down 3 nothing in the third set. And if you have not watched that third set, I recommend watching some highlights because that Schwartzman-Fokina match was absolutely insane. But Schwartzman ended up holding on. He came back, he won, so I won the lock there. He lost to Ramos Vanillas the next round. Not my problem, but he won the bet for us. So we won the locks. We lost the dogs. Not a bad episode by any means. And hopefully we'll sweep the board this time around. And I got but, some value there. Also, if you're listening to the podcast, I'm at minus 130 or minus 135 for Demon Hour. I ended up closing at minus 160, minus 165. So that was pretty good. Yeah, and that was a really, I'd say, interesting match to follow because the weather for the first day or two of the tournament was just absolutely atrocious. You had so many starts and stops because of rain, and it seemed like they were trying to force the action where they'd bring the players back onto the court for like five minutes. It would rain again, and then they would just have to come off the court again. That happened like three separate times, and then they eventually got the match in. It was a very, I'd say, annoying spot to, at least if you had money on it, to stop a match while Diminor was cruising for the most part, and then you stop it mid-tiebreaker in the second set. 
But Diminor held on. He won. And the weather has been cooperating the last couple of days, which has been nice. So you have actually had a lot of matches to look forward to. But I do want to talk about some of the overall takeaways for this tournament because I'm sure we got a lot of them. But before we do all that, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. Thinking of joining WinBet? Now is the perfect time for new customers to join because new customers who bet $100 get a $100 free bet. If you're betting baseball, you have to check out WinBet for their reduced juice in baseball games, which makes them the best place to bet MLB. Plus, the WinBet Casino is always open 24 hours a day where you can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to Sports Gambling Podcast com slash winbet so they know we sent you that sports gambling podcast slash w-y-n-n-b-e-t to claim your free bet today offer subject to change terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough winbet is available if you or someone you know has a gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 we're also brought to you by Odds Trader. On this podcast, I've mentioned time and time again the importance of shopping your lines. And while it might be annoying to pull up several books to find the best line available for you, it takes a lot of effort. And luckily for us, Odds Trader does the work for you because Odds Trader is the perfect place to compare odds from all the major sports books in one central location. You can also compare the different sign-up codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal when you initially sign up. The app provides you with player statistics, key game stats, injury reports, and projected game day weather for bettors to make the most informed bets possible. It also has a bet tracker feature so bettors can keep records of all their games and betting activity. Go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire, oddstrader, the number one site for all of your game day bets. Welcome back, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We talked briefly about how we did on the last episode. We did pretty well hitting both locks, but I mentioned that some matches were finally able to actually take place after the weather cooperated following a shaky day one. However, uh, we do got to talk about some of the very, very interesting developments in the first couple of days. Particularly, we mentioned briefly how Medvedev, the defending champion, was eliminated by Kyrgios in a very intense three-set match. Kyrgios came back from one set down, looked really good. He did not get broken the entire match. And I watched the entire thing. I know Sam did as well. Uh, Sam, you have any real takeaways from the match or just the fact that Medvedev stands too far away from the court? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a shame that he couldn't break him. He only had two break points in the entire match. I think all, both came in the third set. Which was a little sad. I get, yeah. I mean, he. It did seem like he just the the length of him away from the net and away from the court is what really hurt him. Kyrgios was really given those volleys where Medvedev just couldn't get to them. Which kudos to Kyrgios is just impressive with Medvedev's speed and talent. I'm not sure if I uh, mentioned this in the prior podcast, but they came up with a stat while I was watching uh, last week, Medvedev versus, uh, I believe it was Nori, that Medvedev has done the most full sprints in tennis matches than anyone who ever has played the game. So it's just impressive that Kyrgios can hit those shots where Medvedev can't get to the ball no matter what. So kudos to Kyrgios. You know, you know I hate him because he hasn't really showed us his true capability 
abilities and here we're now seeing the true capabilities so it really takes away from my point of hating him it's not that i'm like deeply involved i'm so deeply passionate about hating him is there's why a lot I there's still a lot of baggage involved but yeah you, you see him scream on every single point even when he's serving if the other if the other player you know is able to win a point on his own serve he's just screaming at his own coaches and the antics are still there. The screaming at the ref is still there. The screaming just to scream at at, um, at fans is still there. So, you know, my hatred is dying down only a tiny bit. I'm still running against him for the most part because of these antics. If he would tune down the antics, then, you know, I'd actually gr grow greater appreciation for him. Uh, we'll see how he does in this tournament. If he definitely comes through and wins this toronto open and we see how he does in the u.s open i'm in montreal i'm sorry and u.s open you know we'll see how much you know i, I grow a liking towards him but yeah main takeaway mevedev was standing too far away from the from the court and from the net and it, it hurt him yeah and it really surprises me that more players don't fully embrace the serve and volley tactic against medvedev or even dominic team who are the two main players that I could think of for standing that far off the court. I remember Nadal lost in the in Wimbledon long time ago to Mueller, and Mueller was a pretty well-known servant volleyer from Luxembourg back in the day. So I'm surprised for these players who are elite but stand so far back off the court. I don't know why servant volley isn't used more. And Kyrgios, it seems like he's really embraced using his net skills more, which I think has been a huge difference for him because he's a very underrated doubles player, and he won the Australian Open doubles with Kokonakis. But he's good at the net, good at serving. We saw him deploy the servant volley against pretty much every opponent that he's faced recently, and he's been rolling. So I expect him to keep using it moving forward, and I do think Kyrgios at 13-1 to 1 to win the U.S. Open it's really not a bad price, especially since Djokovic can't show up. Yeah, I mean, definitely fair enough. He just beat the world number one with Medvedev. And Nadal's still injured, of it's, course. It's very, it's very tough because a different ball game with three out of five, and we still haven't seen him besides. And Wimbledon get there. We didn't have to play Nadal. Um, and the, these um, these Russians weren't able to play. So we'll definitely see what he's like in three out of five. But I think he fares way, way better in these two out of three matches because of the mentality of the three out of five. He'll definitely should win a few uh, rounds, but... 13 to 1, definitely uh, it, with quality of play, it's, it's definitely true. But I have to still see something from him from a major that wasn't this past Wimbledon to really get behind him. It's fair. I'm just looking at the odds. And fair I figured enough. once it's officially announced that Djokovic is not going to play in the U.S. Open, we both think he's not going to. We think it's bullshit, but we think he's not going to play. Then I don't know how Kyrgios doesn't close at like 10 to 1 or 9 to 1. Yeah, once I take Djokovic off the board, definitely fair. Um, to up Kyrgios's, uh value. I mean, I mean, take away his value. Yeah, to I reduce guess. the price. On, right. Yeah. Uh, definitely depends on the draw, but for quality of play, 100%. Yeah, but I was also going to ask you about some other takeaways. It's time for me to do a brief victory lap. On the Blast podcast, I said something extremely bold to people who uh, either were paying some attention or not enough attention. I said Alcaraz might be the most overrated player on the tour. And it was a loaded statement because I'm aware he's still very young. And I said he was still going to win a couple grand slams. I'm not calling him a bust or anything. He's obviously talented. But 
people have been trying to tell me that he's the best of the next gen guys for so long. And I just don't see the results. We mentioned for this tournament, he was around plus 350, like plus 400, despite not having many great hard court results. He's had a couple, but nothing substantial. And he came out and responded to my call out by losing to Tommy Paul in his first match of the tournament in three sets yesterday. He was up a set and he was at, he actually had match point in the tiebreaker. It was on Paul's serve. Paul had a nice serve and he fought it off. But Alcaraz, I don't want to fully rehash it because we just talked about it last episode. Are the odds makers ever going to learn? Because it seems like Alcaraz is going to continue to be so mispriced pretty much every tournament. And I don't think I can ever take him to win a tournament because it seems like he has, of course, he's still going to grow as a player. There are just so many flaws that I still don't think he's fully, I'd say, corrected, mostly involving the second serve. Paul was killing him on the second serve returns, mostly with the backhand right down the line. Do you, do you, I'm trying to think of where to really go from here. I can't apologize after being right. Can I? No, I mean, when you talk about the second serve, uh, he hits 91% of his second serves in play and only won 44% of the second serve points. He was, he was getting destroyed on his second serve. And we talked about the value and we, we keep talking about the value and you're absolutely right that you can't take him to win a tournament, not only because he loses, he's losing in the finals and in this round one, but only also because the value is not there. You're not making enough money on these plays to be able to bet on him in general. It's, it's the money lines. It's the quarter winners. It's the winning of tournaments. It's just not worth it. And that's even besides the point that he's actually losing matches. Yeah. And the main reason why I called him overrated is because when he was coming up, people compared him to Nadal solely because he's a Spaniard. Don't offend Nadal like that. Like that's ridiculously offensive. I I get the fact that you want him to be the next guy because Nadal has now had some injury issues and he's in the final couple of years of his career. We saw Federer's career basically end already. But people are so quick to find the next guy. There will never be another Djokovic. There will never be another Nadal. There will never be another Federer. It's okay. They're the three greatest players in the history of the sport. Alcaraz is a good young player. But stop, for the love of God, comparing him to Nadal. This is ridiculous. Just stop it. Yeah, I mean, we we clearly haven't seen his full potential, but it's just it's not comparable to a guy like Rafa, and it's not right to him. I absolutely agree with that. Uh, we'll see how he, how they price him in the in future tournaments. Uh, is there a tournament in between this and the U.S. Open going to happen? Well, Cincinnati's uh, happening. The calendar. Nadal is officially back for Cincinnati. He's going to try oh, wow. to give it a go. They don't know how well he's going to perform or whatever, but I guess he needs at least one tuna match after the abdomen injury to see if he still can actually play in the U.S. Open. But I feel like, especially on non-clay surfaces, we saw it in Wimbledon, and we talked about it, how Alcaraz had low odds. Yes, he performed pretty well at Wimbledon, but he really hasn't had many great results on non-clay tournaments, 
and he's priced like he's supposed to be the favorite every time. And I just don't see it. And I'm not going to fully repeat everything that we just talked about. All I'm saying in a hard court or grass tournaments, Alcaraz should never have lower odds than Sinner. Sinner's yeah. a better player. And we we see him head to head. It's easy it's easy to ch- see that Sinner has owned Alcaraz for pretty much most of the time here. And it just comes down to it's not play. We're not going to critique him too much on his play. It comes down to price and the bookmakers. That's yeah. I, I think that he's extremely overvalued. I'm not going to tell you. I said it before. He's going to win several Grand Slams, but people expect right. him to win every tournament. He's not that good. Like there's a right. difference. I'm just going to throw that out there. So anyway, those are two takeaways. I know we also mentioned some outrights on the quarters and for the tournament as well for uh, the pre-tournament show. And so far, knock on wood, uh, we have life. You know, we got a pulse on a couple of these. Uh, Sam, you want to remind some of the people uh, what you ended up having in the last show? Uh, well, talking uh, talking about each quarter here, I did have Medvedev in the first quarter. We didn't really see anyone that could compete against him. Unfortunately, lost to Kyrgios. But uh, second quarter, we mentioned Bautista Gu. He's still alive, and he's looking great out We're seven there. 7-1. So. I got it. Very good. And we have Augur still in it, just beat Nishioka nicely, two sets. So both of those are still in play. And then you go into the third quarter, we both... Uh, said Sinner is actually most likely to take it, but I did mention Karina Busta. I did kind of take it back a little bit, saying that you had to play Berrettini and Sinner, but... Uh, you mentioned two long shots. I, I, rem- I remember you mentioning Busta, and you mentioned Krajinovic. Uh, still in that quarter, and the other... No, Krajinovic lost quarter. to Evans in the first round. Well, but... I, I mentioned more of Karina Busta, and to pat myself on the back, I did specifically say I wasn't sure about that Berrettini match, yeah. and I thought Berrettini was going to have some problems. Of course, the change of surfaces, which I keep mentioning, and look what happened. 6-3, 6-2, Karina Busta destroyed him, and he, he's moving on. It's going to be an interesting match with Sinner going three sets um, against Manorino today, and he absolutely destroyed a whole guru, Karina Busta, that is 6-0, 6-3, so... He's, li- he's live, and we're going to see what happens, especially with Tsitsipas also in that quarter playing Jack Draper. I don't think that's going to be such a cakewalk either. I think Tsitsipas is the kind of guy who will maybe drop a set or will drop a set um, in this type of matchup with a change of surface. So we'll see what happens. If Tsitsipas goes down, it's wide open. Karina Busta just has one match pretty much to beat in that center. Yeah, from what I remember... Uh, from what I had, I had Medvedev to win the first quarter. I didn't have anybody else. I had Agut as my only play in the second quarter at seven to one, and he has looked fantastic. He has not dropped the set. Then in the third quarter, I had Sitsipas. I think we both agreed that Sinner would probably win the quarter, but we didn't want to face Berrettini and, but of course that doesn't matter because Berrettini lost. But I think we both ended up picking Sitsipas, or at least we like the value on Sitsipas. I don't remember exactly. I know I did. I remember I leaned to Sitsipas because he only would have to face Sinner or uh, uh, Berrettini and not both. So I think that was why I went with Sitsipas. He hasn't played yet against Draper. So uh, either way, or the match is technically underway now. But the point is, uh, looking at the fourth quarter, I was on Chilich at, I believe it was 12 to 1. After recording, though, I found 14 to 1. And... Yep, yep. I mentioned him for the outright as well at 66 to one and he has not dropped the set. He's looked fantastic. So yeah, yeah we, we got a lot of draws. Him. 
You you asked me what do I think for a long shot. First thing I said was Chilich, and you said, "Yep, that's the guy I was looking at." And right now, his path looks absolutely beautiful mm-hmm. compared to what it was in the beginning. He has to play Tommy Paul, who I also like a lot, but that big win against Alcaraz, the American, and then you have Taylor Fritz, who just beat Tiafo in three. And Dan Evans on the top who beat Rublev, which is a sad story because we were both on Rublev. I, I don't know what's going on with Rublev right now. But. <laughs> I don't. I don't either. It's. It's. I don't know. But uh, Taylor Fritz, he, he was complaining after last tournament's loss that he's his movement's not hundred percent there. So we're gonna see. It's gonna get interesting. Tommy Paul and Chilich. I think either one of those is my pick to move on to the to win the quarter now uh, as we see the bracket. Yeah, I also had a fun play off air for the women's tournament, which was not even close for the record. I had uh, Layla Fernandez uh, to win the tournament at 66 to 1. I found every other book had like 25 to 1, but one book had 66 to 1. So I obviously bet it, and uh, she lost today in the second round, which happens, you know, whatever. But still, uh, overall, it's been a pretty good tournament for us uh, because a lot of our outrights are still live. So we're going to see what happens over the next couple of days. I mean, if I lose the Chilich and I win the Batista Gut 7-1, to one, I'm going to be thrilled either way. So mm-hmm. we have a couple of long shots here. Busta, I thought, looked fantastic. I think you got a real shot at that one. But I was going to pivot a little bit and talk about the actual matches that we have in line for tomorrow. There are some matches that don't have lines posted yet. However, we do have a couple. Uh, Sam, you want to dive into them? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, going into tomorrow, well, we have the Tootsie Boss match still going up, and I think yeah, we're gonna, we're going to ignore that one for now. All right, fair enough. You have the Evans versus Fritz match um, that's going on tomorrow in the afternoon, twelve o'clock. Uh, that should be an interesting match. It depends on if Fritz is totally there or not. If Fritz is there and he has his strength back and his movement back, I think Fritz should easily take that match. If he doesn't, it could definitely be a toss up here. Um, I think if, I'm picking Evans in that yeah. one. I, I'm going to stick with Fritz. He he was able to so stick it out with Tiafo and win three sets, which shows me a little bit of confidence and uh, mobility. Uh, but uh, either way, it could be a toss-up. It, it really depends on his movements, but I'm going to go with Fritz. I guess you're going with Evans, but we move on to the next one. We finally have what you mentioned to me, the Australian matchup between Kyrgios and Demon Hour. Yes, we have a line on that one, by the way. Kyrgios is minus 250, and Diminor is plus 190. Unfortunately, for actual games and totals and spreads, we got nothing. We just have the money line. But, I mean, do you want to make a case for Diminor? I think that he's extremely improved. We saw that in the final against Brooksby a couple of weeks ago in Atlanta. But based on what I've seen, I mean, Medvedev's one of the best returners in the world, and Kyrgios faced two break points in three sets. Like I think they said it, it during the match, Kyrgios is holding serve this year in 93% of his service games, which is absolutely insane. I think it's going to be a very competitive match because Diminor is a pusher, and I think he's going to force Kyrgios to hit a bunch of extra shots. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you might see Kyrgios self-destruct in a game or so. The problem is I think Diminor is not a good enough server to hold serve every time. I think Kyrgios is going to win. I think it's going to be competitive, but I think it's going to look similar to the Baez match where you're going to see a 6-4, 6-4, maybe a 7-6, 6-4, 
but I just think that Kyrgios has too many weapons in his arsenal for Diminor to match up with. So I'm going to go with Kyrgios. Yeah, uh, I'm going to agree with the performances Kyrgios has been putting up with. Uh, it just looks pretty clear that he's going to be a dominant factor right now. Uh, it all depends on his mobility and strength to move on for the final rounds, for the semifinals and finals. But here, I think Diminor, like you just said, will hit a lot of shots back where Kyrgios will have to hit some extra shots. But it doesn't seem like Kyrgios is wavering too much when he just played a guy like Medvedev, the king of uh, returning shots and having you to hit shots back. So uh, if it goes to a tiebreak, I think actually Diminor can take it because he's actually very solid on tiebreaks. Kyrgios is really Kyrgios. not that good in tiebreakers. No, I think he's under 500 in tiebreakers now in the year. So I actually think Diminor would take it then. But you, you, have, you have the problem with serving. So I do think Kyrgios will win the match. Minus 250 is not bad, like you mentioned. I'm not sure about the spreads and totals. Diminauer also is playing doubles right now into the late night. So that could take away from his conditioning. Uh, so I guess we're both going to go with the minus 250 on Kyrgios now that we don't have any spreads or totals. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think in my head what the spread would likely be. I got to assume three and a half or four. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at, at the minus two fifty, that that makes sense. I'm There's saying so. Probably there. I potentially wouldn't mind laying some juice on Diminor minus four, uh, plus four and a half. I mm-hmm. think it's going to be two tight sets. I don't think Kyrgios is going to blow him out of the water. I think Diminor is a good enough rallier to force Kyrgios into a bunch of unforced errors, and really just to force him into potentially just having to serve extra and we've seen Kyrgios have some questionable choices for second serves which result in double faults so I think it's a close match but I'm gonna give it to Kyrgios uh all right and then uh we'll move on to the next match after that we're going into the second well yeah we're going to the second quarter now Fritz was already in like the third or fourth quarter but uh we're going Nori versus Auger a rematch of what we saw last week we saw Nori get to it in three sets and win the match. Uh, do you have a money line or spread here or total? Uh, as of right now, I do not. But since it's in Canada, I got to assume Felix is going to be like minus 135, minus 145. Well, I'm, I'm taking that then. I'm taking with the auger with the money line here. But what do you What do you think? Because he just beat him. So I think it's going to result in the line being closer. But Felix still has the head-to-head advantage technically. And it's in Canada. So Felix should be favored. Yeah, I, I and because Nor just beat him though, I think he'll only be a very, very slight favorite, yeah. maybe minus one twenty. I, I said think thirty, be, forty. Okay. Yeah. I think it'll be mostly a toss up, but I'm going with the Auger side here. Uh, I, he he just lost him in three sets, but he's a hometown kid now. He's been doing very well in these early um, early matches and early rounds. I think he'll have enough strength and stamina to push through it and beat Nori this time around, especially because they just went th- three sets. And, you know, when they go back-to-back, I actually like going the other guy if it's a very mm-hmm. close match. Uh, it's just a trend that I usually see. But I also think that Auger is putting up very good performances to take this one. I do have to at least point out, though, how badly Nori absolutely cooked Zanschlup yesterday, which was just an absolute clinic. 6-1-6-2. It was a bloodbath. Now, Felix did win two competitive sets against Nishioka. Nishioka just made the final. He's, he's having a phenomenal past couple of weeks. Uh, but 
Both won in straight sets. Nori had an easier time. I think Felix gets revenge in front of the home crowd. Yeah, and you mentioned the the Zanschlup match. Uh, I believe I, I talked about briefly Ketchmanovich beating Zanschlup, and that did not happen. But Nori's just kind of a more developed Ketchmanovich in a certain play style, in their certain play style. And uh, he was able to take down Zanschlup very easily there. But uh, going on to the next match. Do you, like the, get... do you like the over in that one? I think that's going three. It could definitely go three again. I'm going to stick with the auger. That's just what I like. I like the auger yep. money line here. Where If it's close to that coin flip, minus 110 to minus 130 or anything um, lower than that, that would be nice. Yep. All right. What do we got for the next match? We got Hercats versus Ramos Vignolas. Uh, that's the first uh, first quarter. And you have Hercats. That's the first quarter, right? I think I'm right there. I believe so. Yeah, he's in the quarter with Kyrgios and yeah. Demon Hour on the other side. Uh, Ramos Vignola is putting up great performances. We, you mentioned to me earlier today, um, beating Schwartzman 6-4-6-2 and beating Goffin, who I know you liked, 7-6-6-2. Uh, so well, really- I like Goffin against Sock, and he absolutely just crushed me on that one. So not for this tournament. Oh, okay, so I was getting confused with the other tournament. But Ramos Vignola is also a guy that will push back and will also return shots and make you hit some extra points, uh, extra shots now, especially with his recent performances. He, he He's a little bit volatile sometimes, but right now he's really playing very good tennis. So I think this one will actually be very interesting, and it really depends on the line that comes out. Uh, if Ramos Vignolas is, you know, plus two something or more, I think there's definite value that could be played on there. But uh, I, I think I'm going to like the over uh, if it's close to 22 and a half, 21 and a half spot uh, in this match, both consistent guys. But if Ramos Vignolas is able to push back a little bit, or actually I like the plus on uh, Ramos Vignolas because I don't think he's going to be favored here, obviously. Uh, so uh, I think it'll be pushed back and I think it'll be a close match. If I'm purely speculating, I think that her will be minus 160. Uh, yep. Yep. Fair enough. Fair enough. What do you think about this one? Uh, Herc has, has burned me in the past too, but I think the one reason why I'm still going to take Herc has, I'm looking at Ramos Vinolas' first two opponents in this tournament. Very impressive performances, obviously, but there's a common theme. He faced Goffin and Schwartzman. They both can't serve. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that's going to be the story here. Herc has a very good server. I think he's going to hold serve more easily. And we know Ramos is not a great server. So I guess the question I have for you is if... If Herkaz breaks once in each set, is there a guarantee Ramos is going to break once in each set? I think he will. I I think think he might. I think he might. But I am at least going to point out that the big difference between Herkaz and the previous two opponents is the serve for Ramos. And I think as a result, he's going to struggle a lot more in the return game. Yeah, I mean, th- that's definitely fair. Herkatz is definitely a better server than the last two opponents. He's been very streaky, though. So Ramos can get into a lot of long rallies and wait for Herkatz's strokes to fall apart. But I do think, in hindsight, Ramos had two pretty solid matchups for him because he was facing Golfin and Schwartzman, who play relatively similar styles to himself. Right, yeah, it makes perfect sense. I, I absolutely agree with you there. And you see Herkatz... He played, he played Rusevori, 16 aces for Hercats, but the yeah. only thing is 61% on his first serve. Mm. And once you get down to the second serve, it's can he really 
win those second service points. I know he won 60% against Rusevori, but Ramos Vignolos is more of a player that could hit back the ball than Rusevori uh, more often and keep it in play than Rusevori. So it should get interesting. I still think I, I still like the plus on um, Ramos. I still think he could definitely break Hercots. If Hercots breaks once, he's set. I think it's definitely going to be favorable for Ramos Vignolas because I, I think he'll like definitely the, be able to break back well, at least once. So. I think you might get a tiebreaker in here. I, mm-hmm. I, I see an over. I think you're looking at like either a 7-6, six, 6-4 six, type of match or a three-setter. But I do think each player will have moments in this match. Uh, so what do we got next? We got Batista Guvers Rude, which we actually have, a, uh, have some odds here. It's actually very, very close. And to, surprising to some people looking at just the rankings here, if the seven versus the 18, seven minus 125. I think the wrong player's favorite. Really? I do. I'm taking a good. No, I, I mean, he was, he, was, he was my pick to win the quarter in the first place. But from what I've seen in this tournament, he has looked as good as I thought he was going to be. And I'm looking at what I expected to see from Rude. He's played one hard court match, beat Molkan. He looked okay in the match, 7-6-6-3. But you look at the head-to-head, and Agut's 2-0. Uh, now, if you want to look at the actual surface, they did play on hard court in the ATP Cup back in January. And Batista Agut won in straight sets. But you have a guy who's 2-0 in the head-to-head. He beat him in hard court earlier this year, and he hasn't dropped a set in the tournament yet. And both play styles are relatively similar. I'm taking a goot. Yeah. Uh, so then uh, are, you, are you going straight up with the money line at plus 100 there? Is that what you mean? Yeah, I'm not going to get cute with it. I'll take the money line. I think, I think if you want to take the minus one and a half sets, you could. I'm just not going to bother. I think I'll win the match. Uh, anything to do with serving here that uh, Bautista Agu played uh, in his previous matches? Uh, Brooksby and Giron, two guys who are not the most terrific servers either. I mean, two big guys. I was going to say, no, Ru- I'm, I don't Ru- think it matters because on one hand, Ramos Vinolas is now facing a great server. Rude's not a great server by any means. No, no, yeah, I mean, it's also Bautista Agu compared to Ramos Vignolas, who had an absolutely terrific match a couple of weeks back. I talked about it on the podcast briefly. It was wild, some fake injury call-outs, yeah. some bad calls by the ref, just wild stuff, but um, they play kind of similar stuff. But this is going to be a hell of a match. It's it's a, it's a This is a one that's really, really tough for me to call. Rude, obviously, it doesn't have the... Same amount of, I don't want to say firepower, but performances on hard court versus clay court. So I'm not considering Rude as the clay court. As clay court, I'm considering Rude as hard court. And it's going to be a hell of a match here, I think. Um, Batista Agu definitely, definitely has a shot. Uh, obviously, when he's a coin flip, he has a shot. But it's Agut's, really tough. He's taller. To Agu's really also tough. taller, which, you know, really? play. What, I, th- I thought he height? was. What's the heights there? Uh, I always thought that he was taller than Rude. Rude is six see. feet. Rude is six he's... flat. I thought I, th- I always thought a goot was like six two. Is he, he's six two? Uh, he's six. six. They're both, feet. They're both six even. Feet. My bad. All right. I don't know why. Maybe maybe just based on how they stand when they return. I always thought a goot was like an inch or two taller. But when I picked him to win the overall quarter, I was anticipating this matchup. I mean, you I think... kind of had to anticipate it, so I'm not going to switch now. I got a goot to win the quarter. Fair enough, and we got. I think we got a decent price on that one. But uh, you think Agu actually ever slides back into the top ten again? I mean, his best rank of all time, I think, was uh, ninth 
Do you think he slides back in at some point this year or some point maybe 2023? I'm going to say no. Uh, he's 34. So I know, of course, Nadal, Federer, Djokovic. I mean, hell, they could be 37 and they would still manage to win some grand slams. But Agut huh? is a very solid player, but I think he's probably going to top out around 14, 13. But you look at all the younger guys that are also coming up. Like, do I think he's going to stay? Do I think he's going to pass Fritz or Nori or any of these guys? Probably not. I think that Agud is a solid. I don't care what the ranking says. I think he's a top 15 player in the world, but I don't think he'll ever get top 10 again. I think top 15 is more of a discussion. It's going to be fun to see how, when Batista Agu hits back the ball and keeps the ball in play, how Rude responds. Because uh, Rude, what were, the, what were the matches he played? Let me pull that up. He played against uh, Molkan. All oh, right, you mentioned Molkan just in the first round. It wasn't easy, but not, he got through it. Right, he got through it, but yeah, against a guy who's you know not the best player out there right now with Molkan, he's he's an up and he's up and coming really, uh, but uh, not so good as Batista Gut as hitting the ball back in play. You know what? It's, you really are swaying me with this one. I might have to also go Batista Goot, but I, they, they I'm going to stay away. Court. They played I, in January. A good one straight sets. I'm going to be a spectator on this one. Stay away. I'm going to you know, take the easy road here and step away from this one, even though it should be a really fun match. I just think the wrong person's favorite. I love it. And then we got Sinner versus Karina Busta. That's a hell of a match. I mean, that's over. With the, with the performances that Karina Busta has been playing and the Yannick Sinner, who's obviously one of the top guys uh, on the tour right now, that should be a really good match. That will show us if Karina Busta's performances right now are really how he is or if once he plays a guy like Yannick Sinner, he falls flat. Uh, because Yannick Sinner has a couple matches under his belt, obviously, Karina Busta played Berrettini. He was also a guy, top, top guy on tour, but I always say the surface change first match. Sinner has played a match. Sinner has played a few matches, so should, should be interesting. Should be yeah. interesting, but the uh, we have odds here. We have minus 227 on Yannick Sinner and plus 175 on Karina Busta. I think Sinner probably takes this in the, at the end of the day. Uh, minus 227, I'm not going to lay the over is definitely a play that I would also be looking at. And you you were screaming it out when I just said the yep. match. So over. Also I'm doing a hand gesture pointing to the ceiling. Just over. I love but do we have a do we have a game total on that one, maybe? I do not. We However, I, I see I see three sets at plus one forty. And I see Karenya Busta to win a set at plus one at uh minus one fifty five. Wow, minus one fifty five. To win a set. That's pretty big. Yeah, that's pretty big for Karina Busta against Yannick Center. And I'm Yannick not gonna I'm not also. gonna overreact to Center, by the way, because it was a surface change. And even though Manorino isn't a great player, he's one of the most unique players on tour because he's a junk ball hitter. And I can guarantee you you can find a lot of players that play similarly to any of the clay guys that you see that just keep the ball in play and everything like that. But Manorino is like the ultimate impossible to prepare mediocre player. If I know it's a long title, like it's a working title, you know, I'm going to workshop it, but Manorino is a junk ball hitter. He's been playing on hard courts for the last couple of weeks. So he was already adjusted to the court change. I'm not going to overreact center woke up and he figured it out from there, but 
Karenia Busta looks so damn good against Berrettini and against Rune. I think he's been the most impressive player for me in this tournament up to this point. He looked unbelievable. Yeah, with the with that upset against Berrettini, absolutely. And, and yes, I, I know Kyrgios beat I know Kyrgios beat Medvedev. I'm talking about like some from a somewhat unpredictable, or I know you had it, but a flying under the radar guy that seems to be clicking on all cylinders. Karenia Boos is checking every box. He looks as good as he ever has. Oh, I thought you were going to say Tommy Paul. No, Paul's, Paul's good. <laughs> Paul's good. Don't get me wrong. But Busta, I mean, he he knocked Berrettini around the court. He crushed him. Yes. I mean, what was that? 6-3, was it? I didn't was think Berrettini even point? looked that bad. It just looked like Busta was hitting every single shot perfectly up the line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, his performance there was... Unbelievable. Then he had six donut versus uh, who he just played today, Rune. Rune. Um, so that was impressive. Obviously not in the caliber, Berrettini or Sinner, but still very, very impressive. Uh, yeah, yeah. Three sets. I like over two and a half at plus 150. I see that's not a bad one. I think Karina Busta, if he can take the first set, that can be very, very nice and rewarding for betters. Uh, I think Sinner's going to win the match, so I'm going to say it. I think we'll see some high scoring also if you want to take the over like you said seven fives maybe seven sixes out there a couple breakbacks uh Karina boost is hitting hitting his forehand like and like he's been in his prime right now so as far as i'm concerned th- this is the match to watch on uh thursday you can argue about you know higher ranked players and everything like that but for me this is the match that i have circled on my virtual calendar like, I'm going to watch this match in its entirety. Yeah. This should be fantastic. Do we have a timing for that match, or it's all... It's no, as of right now, they're all listed for noon, but they're going to shuffle it around once the matches today are done. Right. All right, all right. So then we have one last one, not including Tsitsipas, who is playing Draper, obviously. But we have Chilich versus Paul. And another interesting one, kind of completely different play styles. Draper up a break, by the way. <laughs> That's what I like to see. Uh, Tommy Paul. That's I thought he was. I thought Tsitsipas might start off flat. Yeah, he's, a, he's a lunatic. Chilich, we we mentioned him. We said that he has tremendous odds at plus sixty six hundred. You found to win this tournament. He hasn't dropped a set. He's serving. He's serving very very well. But he's against a guy like Tommy Paul, scraped out a win against Alcaraz. But Chilich's serving might be too much for Tommy Paul to handle. And I honestly think that's what's going to hold true. I think Chilich is going to be very tough to break for a guy like Tommy Paul. Yeah, Tommy Paul played Alcaraz and Pospisil. Pospisil, I mean, but he played Alcaraz. Shout out to that guy, by the way. Still still hanging in there. Basic? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's mostly a challenger guy now. but Yeah, yeah I mean, he's playing in Canada. That's really yeah. why he got in there. I mean, he's been around for a while, hanging around. Hanging around. Hanging around. But Chilich with the serving, I think, will be too much for Tommy Paul. Uh, we have an odds there, minus 149, minus 150 for Chilich. I think he'll hold true. I think his holds of serves is what's going to get him there. I don't think Chilich is going to break much uh, against Tommy Paul, though. But once the set might be enough for him, yeah. and that'll be the game changer. For me, I'm going with Chilich uh, once again. It's it's a little bit of a of Batista good theory. I picked him to win the quarter, so why the hell would I stop now at Tommy Paul? I thought this was going to be Alcaraz. <laughs> so, so I feel a lot better about my matchup now with Chilich, but he's 2-0 in the head-to-head. 
uh, they played in 2022 back in January on hard court. And Chilich did win in three, if you want to follow that type of past uh, match history. But the main issue that I have with Paul in this match is the time on court. His match against Alcaraz, two out of three sets, it went three. Three hours and 20 minutes. It was an absolute war. And Chilich beat Kakanov in an hour 26. I'm really concerned about fatigue for Tommy Paul, especially against Alcaraz, who's going to make you run around the court like a lunatic the entire time. Like, Chilich played for an hour and 20-something, but we know a lot of his service points are relatively short because Chilich can serve well, and he tends to back it up with a good forehand. The only concern I have is that Paul is very good at keeping the ball in play, and Chilich's strokes are, I'd say, prone to self-destruct. But the fatigue I can't get past I think Paul's going to be out of gas, especially if this goes deep into a second set or a long second set or a third set. I'm taking Chilich. Yeah, I think it's going to be too much for Paul to handle. Three uh, hours and 20? Paul? Yeah, I mean, that's also brutal. But, I mean, that that just goes on to it. We said Tommy Paul lose to Kyrgios. In the city open, Kyrgios obviously fantastic serving, and he lost to Ivashka, who's an underrated server. Uh, he can serve pretty well in matches, um, but I think, like you said, the the fatigue factor is definitely there, like you said, and th- the serving will be too much. And then Chilich will have to play one other person to win the quarter, and that is between Evans and Fritz, which Hold! is definitely a winnable match for him. I would think, I would think that if. Evans or Fr- Evans wins that one. It's a great match. I think you, Chilich might be favored versus either one of them. But we'll- I think I think Fritz would be favored because Fritz is still a top fifteen player. I, I think Fritz would be like minus one twenty, but Chilich would be like minus one thirty against Evans. I'll take a, a minus one twenty. We have to win the quarter. We only have Chilich at plus one hundred. Then if you if you yeah. uh, incorporate the juice, not so bad. I'm purely just speculating, but I I do think Fritz would be favored in that hypothetical head-to-head matchup. I'm with you. I'm with you. I understand it. All right. Uh, Anything else you want to cover before we uh, get into the lock and dog segment? Uh, Let's do it. Okay. So we're going to uh, take a quick break, and then we're going to be back with the lock and dog segment. We're also brought to you by Run Your Pool. Run Your Pool is the home of competition, bringing sports fans and their social circles together to compete, connect, and make every game more important. Run Your Pool offers every game type under the sun, from Pick'em and Survivor to Fantasy Pools. It's a one-stop shop for sports gaming with customizable features that you don't get anywhere else. We've teamed up with Run Your Pool to host a pool for our annual SGPN NFL Survivor Contest. It is free to enter, and there are tons of amazing prizes that will be announced soon. Hop in now to reserve your spot. Get in over at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash survivor. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash survivor. We're also brought to you by Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. And they also just passed 4 million users. And now you could win money on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money that you put in. And with the NFL season right around the corner, Sleeper is is the first sports contest game built into the fantasy experience. The main reason 
And why I'm excited about the over under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I could join my buddies contest and play together. It's got a built in group chat where I could see and copy my friends picks with just the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money on your mobile phone. Join our listener group at uh, on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash SGP and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash SGP and you'll get $100 matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode does not actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well give away all your private information to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IP Vanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IP Vanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. That means all your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IP Vanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing speed on computers, tablets, phones, even fire stick devices while streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IP Vanish. Plus, IP Vanish has a great deal in place. It's offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30 day money back guarantee. That's just just like getting nine months absolutely free. IP Vanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com slash SGP and use promotional code SGP and claim your 70% savings. That's ipvanish.com slash SGP. Welcome back, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We briefly recap the tournament so far, talk about the upcoming matchups, but now it's time to talk about our favorite matchups our, our favorite bets from the upcoming matchups, I should say. Sam, I'm going to let you go first. We both hit the locks and we missed out on the dogs. Let's go for the sweep. All right. So my lock is going to be on the hometown kid, Augur Aliasim. Uh, he's playing Nori. We talked about it before. He's played Nori last week and he did lose in three sets, but that's not going to deter me in the slightest I think with the home crowd behind him and him coming back, knowing Nori's play style, no surprises to him. I think Augur's going to be able to overcome um, the pressure of Nori hitting back those balls um, and being the that guy that is the very defensive to him. But I think Augur Ali seems going to be have his mentality there, have the crowd behind him, and be able to push through. I wouldn't even be surprised if he wins this in two sets. Um, I think he actually, uh, that would be a, b- a bold call, but I'm, I'm just sticking with the money line here, but I think he actually will do two sets here against Nori, uh, and he'll, he'll just pull through on the money line. Though. Okay, well, if you want to go for a nice plus price there, you could take the 2 nothing if you want to be a bit risky, but what's going to be your dog pick? Right, that, that would be a bit risky. I'm not recommending it like I'm recommending the money line. The dog, I'm going to go with a tough matchup between Ramos, Vinales, and Hercots. Hercots, much better server than Ramos has seen. 
but I still think Ramos Vignolas will be able to take a set with how he's playing. He hits those balls back and be able to make her cuts, hit a few more shots, which can hurt him, which we have seen hurt him uh, in the past. And with Ramos Vignolas actually winning a set, I know will be a nice plus money when he hasn't lost the set so far in this tournament, beating Schwartzman 6-4, 6-2 uh, earlier today. And Hercouts having to play three sets earlier uh, was yet today against Rusevori. I'm going to take the over two and a half sets at a nice dog price. Okay. And for me, I'm going to start off with the lock. I'm torn between two choices. It's the same match. It's either going to be Karenia Busta to win a set at minus 155 or the over 22 games at minus 143. I think I'm just going to take Busta to win a set at minus 155. He's looked incredible. And I'm a big center guy. I think center is an incredible player. I think he's actually the best of the next gen guys. But from what I've seen, it looks like early on, Karenia Busta is having, I don't want to say the tournament of his life because he has won other tournaments before, but he is a look so damn good in the first two rounds. He kicked the crap out of a top five player in Berrettini or a top 10 player, you know, whatever. But still, Sinner's only played one hard court match and he didn't really look great against Manorino, but I do like the fact that Busta can rally with Sinner. We've seen the forehand look, look really dialed in so far. It's minus 155, but I'm going to take it. I think Busta could win the match if you want to go for a gamble there at like plus 190. But I don't think Sinner's winning this in straight. If he does, I don't think Busta gets blown out. I think worst case is he'll lose like 7-6 or something and it'll be competitive. But I do think he'll end up taking a set. So I'm going to go with Karenia Busta to win a set at minus 155. And, uh, and the dog? My dog is going to be... The boy, I'm going to take RBA. I'm going to take Batista Agut on the money line at plus 105 against Casper Ruud. I still think that the wrong person is favored in this match. They just played on hard court. I can't say just. They played on hard court in January. Agut won straight sets. He's 2-0 in the head-to-head. Ruud has also only played one hard court match since making the transition over from Clay. Agut played two because he had to play Giron in the first round. But Batista Agut's look fantastic. And from what I can tell, they both have similar play styles, but I do think Agut's a little bit of a better server. So he might be able to hold a little bit easier. It's not going to, are going to be a lot of breaks in this match. But I do think Agut has enough overall consistency to wear down Rude on one of his non preferred surfaces. We know Rude is especially a clay guy. Agut's actually underratedly a grass guy, but he's kind of good at everything. I just think Agut's more consistent. I'm going to take him at plus 105. Yeah, I, I I would I would actually I would challenge you on that. I don't think it's is, is he uh, does he have a better win percentage on grass? And statistically hard speaking, I, I statistically speaking, I actually have looked it up. Agut's best service is technically grass. Mm-hmm. Technically, now I can't I can't compare the ATP titles. I'm sure it's not grass because it's significantly less tournaments. But I, from what I have gathered in the past, Agut's best surface is grass. Yeah, I'll back it up with the stats here. Uh, Batista has played 59 career matches on grass with a win total percentage of 69.5%. And then on hard court, he's played 368 with a win percentage of 63%. You said the, t- the titles, 
This one's not going to go in your favor in the slightest. Of course, because there's a lot of grass torn. Eight grass one. So, okay. I mean, yeah, it's, there's a lot less grass tournaments, and he's played a lot fewer matches on grass. So I'm just I'm just putting the numbers out there. Yeah. But that's indoor, a dog. If you, you want to compare else? indoor randomly, indoor, not as good as outdoor. Okay, Keep good. That's good for me. All right. Uh, anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Where have been the indoor matches? I don't remember an indoor tournament in a long, long time. He won in Doha. Doha was the last indoor? That's the one I remember him winning. He beat uh, Kakanov in the final, I think. Hmm. I want some indoor. I want to see some indoor action. I don't know why, but I want to see something. You're tired like of that. weather delays. Maybe after the U.S. Open. That's what it is. Bingo. No weather delays. Perfect play. Perfect conditions. Yep. I guess, I mean, if you like so like wind conditions for a, a little throw-in factor, I understand it. But I want to see a change-up of indoor tournaments. That's fair. Um, you, you could see me here on this podcast, you know, all the time with Scott uh, breaking down these matches. Or you can follow me at, at Sam Jacob Tennis. Just released a post before the Tsitsipas match saying that Tsitsipas is going to look flat coming into it. Uh, we're going to see Draper's up a break. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But either way, we'll be back in a couple of days to get through probably the semis, if I had to guess, being the next time we do an episode. But, you know, looking forward to potentially sweeping the board. Should be fun. Looking forward to some good matches. And until then, good luck to all of you and all your bets. Bye, everyone.